Hello, friends, and welcome to the Coastline Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message will equip, encourage, and edify you in your journey of life. We'd love to connect with you. Please email us at info at coastlinecc.org. And for more information about our church and our services, visit coastlinecc.org. Now let's open our hearts and open God's Word. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Three areas of life that I'm challenging you this morning to be thankful in. We're going to breeze right through it. The first area of life that we must be thankful in is we need to be thankful in the sunshine. When I say sunshine, I'm talking about the sunshine of life. I'm talking about the good days of life, the happy days of life, the joy-filled days of life. Psalm 100 is entitled a psalm of praise, and this is what it says. It says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Verse 4 says this, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. This first uh, uh, point is really not a challenging one for any of us. It's easy to be thankful on the sunny days. It's easy to be thankful on the easy days, on the days that are full of physical and, 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 and blessing that we can see with our own eyes. It's easy to praise Him on those days. Every morning the scriptures say that uh, His new mercies meet us each and every morning. Great is His faithfulness. The days when everything seems to fit. I love those days. Ask my wife. When things start to get out of sorts, when my schedule gets all wonky, man, I, I, I struggle with that sometimes. But on the days when every, I get everything I want to get done done, my schedule gets cleared, I don't miss any meetings, I don't forget to do this or that, and everything kind of falls into place, and, you know, we got good food to eat, and, and the, you know, the shirt that I wanted to wear is folded, and it's ready to wear, and everything just seems to work perfectly, even the little things. Everything's great. Duncan makes my coffee right one out of ten times, and that's the day it happens. I mean, it's great. It's easy on those days. And even crazier than the fact that we're surrounded by blessing each and every day, on those good days, often we do forget to thank the one who made it all possible. Even on the good days, on the sunny days, we forget who is blessing us. We forget his benefits in our lives. Church, we have to be aware of our state, of our sinful state of selfishness and self-dependence and self-righteousness so that even on those days that are full of the blessings of God, which, yes, is every day, but I'm talking about those days when it just seems like everything you need is right there and everything you want is right there. Every bill's getting paid and the money's where it needs to be and, and, every, and your work day went great. On those great days, we need to praise God for those days. It is He who gives you the strength to get up and go to work and have a good day at work. We've got to be thankful in the sunshine. I know that's an easy one, so we don't need to take too much time on that. The scriptures command us to praise him, to enter into his gates with thanksgiving. He's good and he's faithful to you. The second point, though, is a little bit more challenging, and not necessarily in a rebellious way, but not just thankful in the sunshine, but thankful on the cloudy days. And I'm not talking about, you know, I'm talking about just the mundane, the ordinary. 
the days when, not that things are going really, really good, but they're not going bad at all. I mean, it's just kind of a regular, everyday kind of feeling. You get up, you wake up, you have breakfast, you go to work, you come home, you have dinner, you go to bed. And it's just kind of those regular, mundane, kind of boring days. The scriptures tell us, in Philippians chapter 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Paul says that. Paul was in prison when he wrote Philippians. The Apostle Paul. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He takes time to repeat what he had just said because it's so important to, yes, praise him on the sunny days, on the days of goodness and blessing, but on those regular, everyday, cloudy days when it's just kind of, hey, it's nice out, the weather's nice, it's warm. You remember those cloudy days? You're like, the weather's not bad. It's just kind of like, whatever, like it's okay. Thankful on the cloudy days. I'm grateful, church, for the big, easy stuff that I can thank God for. I'm grateful for, for, you know, my home that he's provided for us and my vehicle and my job and my family and a fridge full of food and closet full of clothes and all those things. But, but I need to work harder being thankful on, for the everyday stuff. The things that necessarily aren't anything special and sometimes the things that actually frustrate me, but I, I need to be grateful and thankful for those things. Those little ways that I know God is present in my life even when it might not be obvious right away. I can think of a thousand things right now. I walked in this morning and the heater on that side of the building was giving me a hard time. It was frustrating. It was a little cold on that side, which is why this is a little bit cranked up. I'm warm up here right now because we're trying to push heat that way. And you know what? For a moment, I was like, oh my goodness, like, come on. I just thought this was working. I get frustrated. And then I'm thinking and I'm like, you know what? We have a building to meet in. What a blessing have heat that doesn't work <laughs> in a building where we can worship God freely. Think about how many times, Mom, we prayed for a building when we were sitting there at Trader's Lane. Sat in that little in-law apartment on Trader's Lane when we were three years ago. God, give us a building. God, give us a building. God, give us a building. We've got to be thankful for the everyday stuff. Listen, if you're thankful in the mundane, if you're thankful and grateful in the ordinary, in the regular, in the boring, listen, you will create. Think about this, church. Hear me on this. If you are thankful in those ordinary, cloudy, mundane days, you will create a consistent attitude of gratitude that will be a testimony to the grace of Jesus Christ in your life to those around you. If you live a life and have a heart of praise for everything going on, for the ordinary, for the boring things of life, if you choose to be grateful for those things, you're driving in the car, oh my goodness, i got to get gas, i got to fill up the tank, that's so frustrating. No, how about, I have a car that i got to put gas in. Thank you, God, for my car. Thank you for the money to go get gas in my car. You see what I mean? You're finding and, and seeking after gratefulness. Thankful in the cloudy days. And then the last one, I, I think you probably know where I'm going with this last point. Thankful in the sunshine, yes, those days full of blessing, full of sunshine, full of joy and smiles and laughter. Thankful on the cloudy days, those ordinary everyday days, which, which really seem to make up most of our life, right? Those everyday days, those mundane, the kind of getting your schedule. Thankful in those days, finding gratefulness. But lastly, thankful in the storms. Thankful in the storms. We've had a lot of wind lately, haven't we? 
We've had a lot of, uh, uh, we had some rain in the last few months. It's just been pounding down. And those storms are powerful, aren't they? We've seen news reports all over the country, some of these big storms flooding towns and people losing their homes. And oftentimes these storms can bring destruction and loss. This one's hard to be thankful in the storm. What does God say about it, though? 1 Peter chapter 3. And if you have a phone or a Bible, I encourage you to turn there and read along with me, please. 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm sorry. 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter here is writing. And Peter was persecuted at the end of his Christian life. And, and, and most of his disciples of Christ were. But Peter's writing this letter. And he says in verse 3, I'm going to read it, explain it, read it, explain it. We're driving to a point later in the scriptures. Peter says, he, he kind of begins this dialogue of praise in the beginning of his letter. Verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1, 3. Which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This really, this passage, the next six verses or so, is like one big giant run-on sentence. It's great. Peter just doesn't stop. It's always commas or semicolons. He never really ends the sentence up until verse 9 or so. But Peter starts by saying, praise God, our Father, of, of, of the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who Peter had followed with his life. He says, God is good. He raised up Christ from the dead. He's given us new life. He's given us hope. In verse number 4, said to uh, uh, resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, verse 4, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, that's reserved in heaven for you. He's telling the people he's writing the letter to, which is, it says in verse number 1, the strangers scattered throughout Pontius. He's writing this to these believers and, and, and all across the place. And He says, God's got something stored up for you that can't be destroyed. That's not going to decay. That's not going to wear away. It's not going to be ruined or disappear. Verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. He says, you have faith in God that gives salvation. That he'll protect you until the last day. He's going he's to save you. He always planned to do that. That's what, what Peter is saying here. Verse number 6, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. He said, on that day when he saves you, when he delivers you, he said, you're going to be glad, even though you have to go through hard trials of life, the manifold temptations, various trials and troubles of life, you're going to have joy, even though you had to go through those. Why? Verse 7, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. He said, your faith will be like gold that has been tested in fire. And those trials, those troubles, those struggles, those problems will prove that your faith and those trials that brought that faith are, much, are worth much more than just gold that can be destroyed. Verse 8, whom having not seen, ye love. Talking about Jesus Christ, the appearing of Jesus Christ at the end of verse 7. Verse 8, whom having not seen, ye love. And whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Verse 9, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. He says, you've never seen Jesus, and yet, and you don't see him now, but you, you love him. You have faith in him. 
And, and no words can tell you how glad and happy you are to be saved. That's why you have faith. That's what Peter is telling them in church. He said it in verse 7. The trial of your faith being worth much more than gold. This, to the natural man, that doesn't make sense. It's very illogical. How can my trials, problems, struggles, issues, heartaches, I hate them. I don't like them. They're not worth more than gold. I'd like some gold. If I could choose between trials and stress and problems or gold, oftentimes we'd say, I think I'll take the gold. I think I'll take the money. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't seem right. How could and why should I be thankful in the storms, in the trials, in the heartaches? I can't do that. I want to do that. When I'm going through something hard, when I'm going through something challenging, the, the last feeling that I have is gratitude often. Listen to me, church. To be thankful in the trial is to look fear in the eyes and say, you don't own me. To be thankful in the problem, in the heartache, to be grateful during the stress, is to look the enemy in the face and say, you lose. You can't win. You don't own me. Thankfulness in the storms of life is the sum of faith and grace. It's choosing to trust God when it's hard, when it's difficult. It's choosing to trust God and then receiving His grace to trust Him more as you walk through that trial. Thanking God in the storms of life is the sum of faith, choosing to trust God and grace, receiving grace to continue walking, to strengthen your faith, like the song says, oh, for grace to trust Him more. The song we sang today at the end, new wine. They're making new wine. The, the, we read from Luke and Matthew 9 says the same thing. New wine is... Is, uh, it's not put into old wineskins. If it is, the skin bursts and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed, but new wine is put into fresh wineskins. So both are preserved and protected. So if we're born again, if we're truly born again, listen, we cannot live the way we always have and expect to be able to carry this fresh anointing from God. He's making you new. We're being, sometimes we are being refined and it's hard and it hurts and it's painful. We always see the end result, and we feel like we're just going through it for no reason. Why are you doing this? God, why are you doing this? I feel like we're going through hell for no reason at all. New wine comes from pressure. I watched that show, The Chosen, and they're, they're, they're not, I mean, they're stomping on those grapes. They're crushing those grapes. New wine comes from pressure, crushing of our old selves in the same way that the Lord refines us through fire. It's Him. We, we sang it in the crushing, in the pressing. You are making new wine. In the soil, I, I now surrender. You are breaking new ground. 
You ever broken ground with a shovel? You take that shovel, that bladed shovel, that spade shovel, and shove it into the ground, and you pull it up, and all that, maybe that hard, firm soil that was kind of set in its ways, pretty comfortable sitting there, is suddenly broken apart and turned over on its on upside down. And we feel that way sometimes. But I yield to you and to your careful hand. When I trust you, I don't need to understand. And that's the challenge, isn't it, church? We don't get it. But if we really trust him, we don't need to understand. In everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. Not for everything, but in everything. The power you will find when you thank God for your pain and suffering. <sighs> Easy preaching, hard living. The power that you'll have in Jesus Christ when you are thankful for your pain and suffering. God, thank you for what you are doing in me right now through this trial through this storm. Thank you for the beautiful, painful grace that you are giving me right now. Thank you for the situations, the tough, awful situations that are pushing me closer to you. Why can I be thankful for the storms? Why can I be thankful for the storms? Because without the storms, you'd never see them up close. Man, when there's no storm, there's no need for a miracle. There's no need for Jesus to stand in your boat, in your life, and say, peace, be still, because it's already still. With no storm, there's no miracle. Listen, when the people on the hillside, if they were there gathered to hear Jesus preach, that 10,000 people, and they were already full, and they already had their bellies full of food, there would be no need to multiply that food. There'd be no need for a miracle. When the people are already fed, we don't get to see Jesus feed them. When the sea is calm, we don't get to walk on the water, dance on the waves. When the barrel's already full, we don't get to see God miraculously fill it like he did in the Old Testament. So thank him for emptying you. Because he does miracles with empty things. If the barrel's already full, then there'll be no need to fill it. He does miracles with empty things. In your pain in your tears, in your stress, in your fear. Proclaim. Thank you, Jesus, for what you are doing in me, to me, and through me. Thank you again for listening to the Coastline Baptist Church Podcast. We hope the message was an encouragement to your heart. Please connect with us through our website, coastlinecc.org, or on Facebook or Instagram. Send us a message, send us an email, and we'd love to connect with you. We'd also love if you could visit us for a Sunday morning service. You can find our address on our website, and our services start at 10 a.m. Our mission at Coastline is simply this, to know Jesus deeply and to show Jesus daily. I hope that we've helped you do that in your life today. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.